Welcome to the markets. Dateline Chicago, Friday, May 10. Hello again, Orion Samuelson, joined by Max Armstrong and a market guest a little bit later. But it's our weekly get-together to look at markets from Wall Street to the wheat fields and the livestock feedlots. And you couldn't go through a trading day this week without using the words United States slash China in your comments, because that was the dominating factor this week. As I look at what happened on Wall Street and in the commodity markets and the talks, of course, ended today in Washington, D.C., but they did say they will continue the talks in Beijing at a later date. But certainly no agreement uh, today, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But let's take a look at the numbers on Wall Street today. Dow Jones Industrial Average, after trading about 400 points lower, came back to close 114 points higher, 25,942. The S&P 500 gained 10 points to end the day at 2881. And the NASDAQ added 6 points to end the day at 7916. But for the week, the Dow fell 2.12%, the S&P 500 declined 2.17%, and the NASDAQ down a little over 3% for the trading week. And uh, we saw the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ logging their biggest weekly percentage losses of the year thus far. Trading uh, volume also picked up this week. The volume on the U.S. exchanges today, 7.44 billion shares. That's compared to the average of 6.9 billion for the full session over the last 20 trading days. So volume did pick up. And a couple of names that made news on Wall Street today. Uber Technology shares dropped 7.5% after having opened below their initial public offering price in the ride-hailing company's long-awaited market debut. Still concern over the fact the company has not made money to this point. Another big drop today, Symantec Corporation shares down 12.5% after the antivirus software maker issued a profit warning and then unexpectedly announced that its chief executive officer would step down. Shares of chip makers, which draw much of their revenue from China, finished higher to snap their four-day run of declines. So the big story, though, was the U.S.-China trade talks that did not accomplish an agreement today. So let's look ahead to next week. Well, of course, China and the U.S. will be in the headlines for both commodities and Wall Street, of course. But as we take a look at what's ahead, Walmart will post its first quarter earnings on Thursday. Investors will be watching for a guidance on the economy and consumer demand as 
threats from China tariffs and resultant price increases loom large. The Commerce Department on Wednesday expected to report an increase of three-tenths of a percent in retail sales in April, compared with a 1.6% increase in March. On Tuesday, the Labor Department likely to report a 7 tenths percent rise in import prices and a 5 tenths percent increase in export prices in April. Wednesday, the data for industrial production in April expected to show just a tenth of a percent increase. And on Thursday, housing starts numbers are likely to be at about 1,200,000 units in April after recording 1,139,000 units in March. And building permits are likely to be at 1,290,000 units in April. On the same day, initial claims for state unemployment benefits expected to have dropped by 5,000 to a number of 223,000 for the week ended May 11th. That's some of the reports coming up next week. Then back to uh, corporate uh, firm reports. NVIDIA Corporation expected to post a decline in first quarter revenue on Thursday as the chip designer struggles with slowing sales for data centers and weak demand for its gaming chips, especially in China. Macy's expected to post a drop in first quarter same-store sales on Wednesday, hurt by a late spring that led shoppers to spend more on discounted winter apparel over their spring-summer lineup. Being the first of the department store chair, uh, chains to report, investors and analysts will be keeping an eye out for the spending appetite of consumers. And a lot of appearances again by the governors of the Federal Reserve Board. They'll be making several speaking appearances at various locations and events in the country. Tuesday, Ralph Lauren Corporation expected to report a decline in quarterly sales, hurt by a stronger dollar and its move to pull inventory off department store shelves and sell more at full price to retain its brand cachet and boost margins. Investors will keep an eye out for the company's next fiscal year outlook and comments on Europe and China given the macroeconomic issues that are plaguing those regions. And that's pretty much the look that we have as we're certainly winding down the quarterly earnings report season. So uh, that's some of what we'll be watching next week. Looking back at the week just ended, U.S. producer prices rose moderately in April, but underlying inflation pressures at the factory gate appeared to be picking up. Labor Department said Thursday its producer price index for final demand increased two-tenths of a percent last month after jumping six-tenths of a percent in March. And in the 12 months through April, the producer price index increased 2.2 percent. Some of the other reports out this week. 
Consumer prices rose moderately in April, and underlying inflation remained muted, suggesting maybe the Federal Reserve could keep interest rates unchanged for a while. The uh, Fed last week kept interest rates unchanged and signaled little desire to adjust monetary policy anytime soon, despite the fact that President Trump would like to see the interest rate situation ratcheted down just a little bit. The consumer price index went up three-tenths of a percent last month. It was lifted by rising gasoline prices, rents, and increased health care costs. The CPI in the 12 months through April increased two-tenths of a percent, again showing that inflation at the moment is at least not much of a concern. A little bit of a surprise in the weekly jobless claims report this week. The number of Americans filing applications for unemployment benefits fell less than expected. That could raise concerns that the robust labor market was losing some momentum. Initial claims for state unemployment benefits went down 2,000 to 228,000 for the week ended May 4th. Some of the earnings reports had some interesting data, too, particularly from Tyson Foods. It reported earlier in the week that it could see significant financial gains from the African swine fever outbreak in hogs spreading across Asia, particularly China. Tyson, which sells pork, beef, and chicken, said all of the proteins could benefit as the African swine fever kills hogs and reduces global pork supplies. But we continue to get a lot of different numbers on how much the pork production has suffered in China. China is still saying 900,000 hogs have been euthanized because of the disease, but uh, the Tyson CEO, Noel White, said China expected to import more protein to make up for herd losses, which he estimated at 150 million to 200 million hogs. And that caught the attention of traders in the lean hog trade at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. Uh, U.S. agricultural commodities trader Bungie uh, reported that the first quarter profit on Wednesday came in higher. Higher soy crush margins in the United States, Brazil, and Europe lifted results for its agribusiness unit, which the company said it is restructuring. And then there was the petroleum company uh, fighting that was going on. But Chevron Corporation abandoned its pursuit of Anadarko Petroleum Corporation on Thursday, outmaneuvered by a higher rival bid of $38 billion that included more than three times as much cash. And that means the decision leaves Occidental Petroleum Corporation as the victor in a contest that again proved the allure of U.S. shale oil. So 
We're going to look at the commodity world. It, too, of course, was impacted by China-U.S. discussions. And uh, we'll continue that coverage when we come back here on The Markets. What do I cherish? Precious moments watching Dad read to my little Eric. That's why I'm so grateful I insisted on an eye exam when I noticed him struggling with the words on the page. We found out Dad has age-related macular degeneration, or AMD. Luckily, the doctor caught it in time for treatment so Dad can still read. Protect yourself and your loved ones. Call the Foundation Fighting Blindness today at 1-800-254-6552 for a free packet on preventing and managing AMD. That's 1-800-254-6552. Max Armstrong joins us now to look at the agricultural side of market activity this week. So let's join Max, who has a special guest with us here in the studio. Max? Let's see what path John Zanker will take us down this weekend. John, it's good to have you here. J.C. Zanker and Company, Lafayette, Indiana. It's been a while since you've been here. We're glad to have you back What do you think about this lack of planting progress? What will the weekly crop bulletin show us Monday? I think we could be pushing towards 40%. It was at 23% last week. Uh, we sure haven't done much in Illinois. Uh, Indiana's just getting getting started. We're, we, we've seen some pretty good progress in Iowa, Nebraska, maybe even southern Minnesota. So maybe 40%. That might be optimistic. What do you think is happening to the yield per acre here as we're moving on through the month of May? We start to look past the, the 10th of May and people talk about yield reductions right across the heart of the Corn Belt. Well, we've seen some years where we've planted late, and uh, we're, we're not in too bad a shape assuming the weather from here on out is good, and that, that can be a problem. It's not been a problem for the last five years, so we've gotten comfortable uh, that our yields will rebound. But uh, I, think, uh, I think everything would show that it's better to plant corn on April 20th than it is on uh, May 20th. A friend of mine said, I remember vividly 2009. He said that was an agonizing planting year, and that was on his farm in east-central Illinois. But he said things turned out pretty well after all that year. That, that, is that a year, is it an apt comparison to go back 10 years? I, I think it's, uh, it, it's yes. I would say that we ended up with a record yield in 2009. Uh, we had good yields in Illinois. We had good yields in Indiana and Iowa. So we can do it. But we also had some corn planted in April that year, and then we ran into a rough stretch in late April and early May. So uh, I think this one's a little more serious than, than what we would have seen in 09. And some other times we might be looking closer at shifting acreage from corn into soybeans. But with the market being what it is right now and the, the potential for soybeans being what it is, our farmers going to be real, real reluctant to make that change. Well, right now we have cash soybean prices in most areas with a 7 in front of them, so there's not a lot of incentive to make that switch. I think we'll continue to plant corn as long as we can. I I would look for a shift maybe of a million acres uh, from from corn to soybeans. Is the concern over fertilizer and crop protection chemicals already applied that that would make it difficult to go from corn to soybeans? Well, we had, we, we've had a lack of that, certainly last fall and this spring. So I think that shift, uh, and we typically see it if it's needed, we, we find a way to do it. So I don't think that's a, I don't think it's affecting enough acres right now to be a major issue. I've been looking back a couple of months to sales of soybeans to China, and there have been some pretty sizable sales, but hasn't shaken the market at all, has it? 
No, we're actually running way, way, way behind where we need to be. I mean, we're, we're, we really have a problem. The USDA, I think, has been reluctant to lower that uh, estimate until we see if we're going to have an agreement with the Chinese. Right now, we're $400 million behind where we need to be to make the USDA's estimate of $1.875 billion. Uh, in order to come remotely close to that, we have to do way better than the five-year average from this point. And I don't see that happening. I, I, I think that uh, ultimately we're going to be at least $200 million short of that. So that goes directly to the carryout. So we're looking at a 1.1, maybe $1.2 billion carryout scenario for this crop here. We focused quite a bit on the trade war, but what about African swine fever? What will that do to demand for soybeans, soybean meal in China? Well, it's it's having a horrible effect, and it's not going to get any better anytime soon. Uh, we're really looking at the biggest demand destruction in history, uh, and that sounds pretty dramatic, but this yeah. is rather dramatic. Uh, Chinese now are estimating losses at 20%, and that includes 20% of their sow herd. Uh, we really believe it's probably twice that much. I believe the CEO of Tyson put out 150 to 200 million head. That's roughly 30 to 45%. Um, China is the destination for 60% of our exports in a typical year. Um, that number is going to be uh, really pulled down. I'm, I'm really concerned about what lies ahead for soybean exports. There was a headline a few weeks ago that China could not replenish the pork supply if they took all they could get from us and a lot of other countries in the world. They'll be ramping up their poultry uh, production that's just not going to be enough. Uh, when you produce half of the world's swine herd, it's pretty hard to replace that. So between Europe and um, South America, North America, we'll, we'll, we'll be shipping a lot of pork. This is going to be good for, for our pork producers. And a lot of people in this country still don't realize that China far and away is the world's biggest pork producer and the world's biggest corn uh, pork consumer. Yeah, the numbers are staggering. This is why this this uh, is very. It's a very dangerous situation. I'm very concerned about what lies ahead for us. On the subject of China buying from us, let's talk about corn for a moment. And I'm concerned here in the United States about us powering down our ethanol production. I'm, I'm a little worried about it. You know, I see not as much choice available to the consumer, it seems, as, as we'd love to see at the pump. But what's happening with China? How close are they to really ratcheting up their ethanol production and their need for more corn? Well, their goal is 10 percent uh, by 2020. So it's 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 happening quickly. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty bullish uh, the opportunities we have uh, with China on corn. I, I think we're going to be shipping them a lot of corn. I think you'll see something similar to what we've seen in soybeans uh, over the last 10 to 15 years. I, I think it's on a scale that big eventually. How soon? Well, I, it needs to be soon. Uh, <laughs> we're not, it, it needs to be soon. Uh, it, right now we can sell corn into uh, central China cheaper than they can buy corn from their farmers. So I think it's going to happen fairly soon, within, within weeks. With the challenges of the soybean market, if nothing changes here in terms of the price, will the South American producers scale back their bean production in the growing season ahead? I don't think it'll happen this year. I think I think it's we're really going to have to see some price destruction, and I think that that's probably going to happen. If we have a good crop, um, we could see a six in front of futures on October first. So, ouch. Yes. So that that starts putting pressure on the South Americans at that point.
That's ugly. That's ugly. That puts a lot of pressure on the the Americans, not just the oh, South Americans. Yes. I'm, again, I'm I'm really worried about what's what's going on with this swine fever thing. It's it's a major thing. John, it's great to have you here. Thank you. We appreciate your visit. It's good to be here. Thanks. John Zanker, J.C. Zanker, Lafayette, Indiana, joining us here at the desk this weekend. What do I cherish? Precious moments watching Dad read to my little Eric. That's why I'm so grateful I insisted on an eye exam when I noticed him struggling with the words on the page. We found out Dad has age-related macular degeneration, or AMD. Luckily, the doctor caught it in time for treatment so Dad can still read. Protect yourself and your loved ones. Call the Foundation Fighting Blindness today at 1-800-254-6555 for a free packet on preventing and managing AMD. That's 1-800-254-6552. Trade negotiations between the U.S. and China continued to dominate the world of agriculture and agricultural markets this week. And as a result of that situation, Secretary of Agriculture Sonny Perdue said today that President Trump had asked him to create a plan to help American farmers cope with the heavy impact of that trade war on agriculture. A new aid program would be the second round of assistance for farmers after the Department of Agriculture's $12 billion plan last year to compensate for lower prices for farm goods and lost sales stemming from the trade dispute with China and other nations. And, as we said, the latest round of trade talks between Washington and Beijing ended today after 90 minutes, and uh, the comments by those involved said they were... uh, moving ahead, but we've heard that one before, and they also said that uh, they would hold another meeting in Beijing. That's the word from uh, a China newspaper publication, and uh, they did say that the one thing trade negotiators agreed on today at the meeting in Washington is that they would hold another meeting didn't specify the dates, but uh, they did say that they'd be meeting in Beijing. So we continued to hear the various headlines. They were productive, they were moving forward, but we still don't have a final decision. So uh, the uh, word is that the secretary is uh, going to start putting that plan together. The American Farm Bureau Federation said it was too soon to throw its support behind the potential program of aid. And Dave Stevens, president of the American Soybean Association, tended to agree with that. He said, we need to fix and make sure that this market is viable for not only 2019, but for 2020 and 2021. Uh, With the over $100 billion in tariffs, uh, President Trump said that we take in, we will buy agricultural products from our great farmers in larger amounts than China ever did and ship it to poor and starving countries in the form of humanitarian assistance. However, any funds from U.S. tariffs go into the U.S. Treasury's general fund 
and Congress, not the White House, will direct U.S. spending. So it remains to be seen on how much aid they'll put together in the next program. And a spokesperson for the USDA had no additional information after that announcement was made. And other factors... uh, Talking about trade and travel, Secretary of Agriculture Sonny Perdue is going to be in the air on the road uh, this week in May. Uh, he'll be traveling to Japan and South Korea May 11th to May 15th to participate in the G20 Agriculture Ministers Meeting and then engage with his counterparts on important issues facing agriculture around the world. The Secretary will also deliver a keynote address at the G20 Innovation and Agriculture Seminar and will speak at Cotton Council International's annual meeting uh, annual Cotton Day on May 14th. So uh, we'll see what happens when the Secretary goes to the part of the world where we seem to be having our problems. Oh, here are the quotes from the participants in the talks today. The uh, Chinese Vice Premier said the trade talks, quote, went fairly well and U.S. Treasury Secretary Stephen Munchen described the negotiations as, quote, constructive. Why is it important that we have the trade going on? Well, because we're producing a ton of stuff. And all of the analysts that we talk to talk about the uh, uh, volume of supplies on hand. And today, the U.S. Department of Agriculture forecasts bigger-than-expected domestic supplies of corn, soybeans, and wheat, with the outlooks for big harvests and export concerns underpinning the Barry Stocks view. Uh, soybean futures fell to their lowest level in more than a decade after that government report came out today. Looking at the numbers, the government put U.S. corn-ending stocks for the 2019-20 crop year at 2,485,000,000 bushels. That would be the biggest since 1987-88. And it estimated corn production at 15,030,000,000 bushels. That would be the second biggest corn crop ever based on an average yield of 176 bushels per acre. Corn ending stocks for 2018-19 were seen at 2,095,000,000 bushels. That would be up from the April estimate. Soybean ending stocks in 2019 and 20 were seen at 970 million bushels. That's down slightly from the record 985 million bushels expected in the 2018-19 crop year that ends on August 31st. And the outlook for the 2018-19 soybean ending stocks was 100 million bushels bigger than the government's April estimate. So uh, the wheat stocks 
were estimated at 1,127,000,000 bushels in 2018-19. That beat market expectations. So that's why we need the markets. And that's why we need the trade agreements. We have a ton of stuff to sell. And a lot of analysts I talk to say soybeans are really going to be a challenge. The uh, situation, of course, we learn from the uh, Federal Reserve Banks of St. Louis and Kansas City this week. We learned U.S. farm incomes, well, we knew this already, in the Midwest and Mid-Southern states declined yet again in the first quarter of 2019. And most bankers said the biggest risk to the farm economy this year is the ongoing U.S.-China trade fight. This marks the 21st consecutive quarter for farm incomes dropping in the 8th Federal Reserve District, which includes all or parts of seven Midwest and Mid-South states, Arkansas, Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Mississippi, and Tennessee. So the news is just not getting any better because of the, again, trade situation that gets talked about a lot. So as we look at uh, the markets on this final trading day of the week, we saw the uh, lean hog futures decline. We saw grains decline. And uh, here are the numbers that we'll be uh, starting on the trade on Monday. The June lean hog contract will start trading at $89.67 a hundredweight, dropping 60 cents today. June live cattle will start at one twelve forty-five after gaining 57 cents a hundredweight today. And May feeder cattle will start Monday at $137.62 after gaining $1.65 a hundredweight today. Grain prices, well, the um, July wheat contract down a nickel today, July corn down three cents today, and July soybeans down four and three quarter cents today. That's our time for this week. I hope we can get through next week without having to talk so much about the U.S.-China trade war, but I'll believe that when I see it. Thank you to all of you for joining us on The Markets. Thank you.